Welcome to Member Maker, a podcast about how to build a sustainable membership business. I'm your host, Ward Sandler, the co-founder of MemberSpace. Today, I'm chatting with Ken Moskowitz, the founder of Ad Zombies, about how helping people in your community can accidentally lead to a new business venture, determining your strengths and weaknesses to help make the correct decisions for your business, and having a deep understanding of your audience to determine the right pricing. Hi, Ken. How you doing? I am amazing. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So let's start off with, uh, you know, what, what's your story? How did you get into this business? What is the business? What's your background? Well, my story is really simple. I was born in the backseat of a Greyhound bus. Oh, wait, no, that's a song. Sorry, my bad. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, I was a typical born and raised New York City boy. I spent a lot of time listening to the radio and just fell in love with the, with the radio as a kid. And so I spent a lot of free time making commercials as a kid. You know, you remember how back in the day people made mixtapes because that's that was the cool thing to do. And then they started making playlists, right? That's the new mixtape. Well, I wasn't geeking out on mixtapes of music. I was geeking out on mixtapes of commercials. I started writing and producing my own radio commercials when I was like 12 years old in my bedroom in Queens, New York. And so that's the really the foundation, the origin of how I got into the creative business. Um, wow. Yeah, it's a really, you know, I, I knew from an early age, this is what I was meant to do. It was my destiny. That's amazing. So, and then that obviously, you know, down, down the line, Ad Zombies was created, but I assume this wasn't your, your kind of first endeavor as an entrepreneur, right? No, I, I, so my path to being an entrepreneur, by the way, you know, and Tony Robbins called me out on it and I am, he's absolutely right. I am not an entrepreneur. So I want to clarify this with everyone who's listening. I am an artist with entrepreneurial tendencies. See, because there are people who think that they're entrepreneurs, but entrepreneurs are truly fully risk. Like they love the risk and reward. I don't have the stomach for that. I, I, I'm more conservative. So, but I love the craft. So I wanted to state that because a lot of you out there listening might be artists with entrepreneurial tendencies and not truly self-identified as an artist like I am um, or, or as an entrepreneur. So, let let me let me kind of take you back. My career started in the path that I thought I was going to go, radio. I I always wanted to be a DJ. I thought it would be the coolest thing ever to be the best DJ in New York City. I learned from some of the best in the business growing up listening to WCBS FM and um you know that for me was the path I was going to take. And when I got into the radio business, I realized very quickly that I enjoyed being in the production studio more than I enjoyed being on the air. And so my career quickly evolved into the guy behind the scenes, not on the air. And I started working on production. I became a creative director and then slowly moved up the food chain of broadcast radio and became a corporate creative director, production director, and really found my my specialty in building brands and brand imaging and commercials. And that's when I started getting in contact with all these big brands because I got to work with ESPN, Coca-Cola, Budweiser, all these brands I got to touch over my career. Um, fast forward to 2011 and I was feeling a little bit burnt out on the industry. And, you know, I had spent my entire career in the industry and I thought it's time for a change. And I wanted to be my own boss and so I took the step, the leap, and started my creative production company. 
and landed my first client. Um, fortunately, with all my years in the creative space, uh, M&M's was, was at my doorstep. There was an opportunity to do some rebranding for M&M's for a product that they had. And the, the ad that we produced, the creative that we produced, um, won. They wanted that. And so my first client with my other company was M&M's. The second one in was uh, Budweiser. And so I started off pretty, pretty lucky. I got two big gets right from the start. And But what happened was, because it wasn't my ideal business, over time, I started to fall out of love with my baby. And, and, and part of why that happened was, is because instead of being true to who I was as a creative, as a writer, as a storyteller... I started to have to be involved in all of the production and the, the pre-production of, of commercial shoots. And I was involved in so many things that just sucked the life out of me that I wasn't enjoying it. And then a happy accident, as Bob Ross used to say, a happy accident occurred. And that was March 6, 2017, in a Facebook group. Somebody had written an ad for a plastic surgeon for breast augmentation and um, and uh, reconstruction. And the ad wasn't performing well. And in this Facebook group, he said, can somebody help me fix this ad? It's not working. It's not getting any leads. And I knew inherently what was wrong with the ad. It, it didn't speak to a woman from a woman's perspective. It was written by a guy and had the total wrong tone, the total wrong approach, and, and wouldn't speak to a woman at her heart level. And so I quickly rewrote the ad and told him, here's what's wrong with it. And here's why I rewrote it this way, which started a, a small group of people, 10, 15 people saying, wow, I wish I could write like that. And all I did was offer to help anyone who needed help. And by the end of that weekend, I had over 100 requests for copywriting help and a business was born. Wow. I mean, yeah, that's that's kind of like an ideal origin story, right? You, you lead by helping folks and, and offering advice for free and it naturally, naturally will lead to sales, assuming that, you know, what, what you're providing is good, which it sounds like it was. So that, that's, uh, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. I always tell people it was an accident and I'm very honest about that because they say, Oh, you built this incredible business. I'm like, yeah, I didn't really build it. It started by accident. And so I'm very, I'm really humble, uh, humbled by that because when you do the right thing, when you take care of people, when you give, what happens and can happen is remarkable. Yeah. So I guess for that Facebook group in 2017, I assume you had been part of that or other similar groups before then, right? So yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. No, no, you're fine. I was, I was a part of that group from... Oh, when it was early on, maybe 20,000 members. Today, it's over 100,000 members in that group. And I would just go in there and help people out or help them with their copy, try to correct this, try to correct that. But that particular ad really stood out. And what, what stood out to me wasn't the quality or the content of the ad. It was the number of people that were dumping on this person. He asked for help. He said, help me. This ad isn't working. I need help. And instead of helping, pe helping, people just jumped in and said, yeah, this ad really sucks. Well, duh, he knows that. And so all I did was go in and do what I naturally do, which is write the ad the way I would write it. And yeah, so I, it started, the business started that way and has continued to grow and evolve because of that. And I continue to this day, uh, I'm in Facebook groups daily helping people for free. I have no problem doing that. 
That's awesome. So give it uh, for people listening who aren't, you know, familiar with ad zombies or haven't looked up the website yet. Give us a quick overview of, you know, what is the business and what does it do exactly? So ad zombies, we write words that sell anything. It doesn't matter what your business is. If you run Facebook ads, Google ads, you need emails, landing pages, whatever it is, if it needs words to help convey the message of what it is you sell the product or service, we write the message. We don't do any design work. We're not graphic artists. In fact, if you want our artwork, you're going to get stick figures because it's terrible. Um, we are just not designers. We are writers. We're storytellers. And so we help businesses around the world. Uh, today, we serve uh, 300 plus agencies and about 5,000 SMBs globally, helping them write their ads, their stories, you name it. Awesome. And you do that uh, on a, on a recurring basis. It's not so much one-off ad copy. We have a, we have a model that does both. So we have recurring, uh, recurring packages, recurring services for agency clients. And then we have agency clients that are not on recurring that just, you know, come in for one-off to service their clients needs. Uh, and as they use us and they start to discover what we do and how easy it is to use us and, and just how much weight is taken off of their shoulders, then they naturally want to migrate into a, a monthly plan with us. And uh, and that makes the most sense for them. But yeah, we have a lot of clients that just come in, you know, for the first time and, and they taste what we can do. And from that point on, they're hooked because we just take the stress of having to come up with creative and writing the story or coming up with the ad hook, the headline. We do it all. And it's really easy for us because we have an amazing team of writers. So when you were starting Ad Zombies at first, was it more just kind of one-off work or recurring one-offs? Or did you have a, a recurring membership kind of model built in from the beginning? Oh, my God. It was a nightmare. <laughs> when it started, it was, first of all, it started with me. And then it was me and Sean, our now head copywriter. And it wasn't, there was no structure to this mess. This was strictly just chaos. And... So we didn't have monthly plans in the beginning. We had one-off ad purchases, meaning you needed copy for a Facebook ad and you would pay us for the Facebook ad and we would write it and get it back to you. But it was absolutely chaotic because we had zero systems in place. We like it was everything was manual. If you could imagine trying to do every bit of your business through email and paper chasing, like did a payment go through? Did the order come in? Did the creative brief come in? And having to match these up. When it started, we had maybe one or two orders a day, then one or two orders every couple of hours. And then it was 10 orders in an hour. And so suddenly you have exponential numbers of emails that you have to track down. So it quickly grew to chaotic. And it really wasn't a uh, membership and, and monthly subscriptions didn't really come into play until several months into the business when we realized that that was a smart play for us because, number one, we had clients who were using our services regularly. Number two, we could discount them, have longer retention of the clients, and um, and have a better you know relationship with these clients, understand their business, understand their needs, and really help them at a, at a much higher level for a long period of time. Yeah, that makes sense. So as far as the, the initial audience to, to, for ad zombies, it sounds like it all kind of began in 2017 with that Facebook group post, right? That's kind of the, the initial 
the initial launch of customers? Yeah. So if, if you call, you know, they say when a disease happens, patient zero, right? So patient zero is day one for us was March 6, 2017, when this started. And that, that was the foundation, that first ad. From there, by the end of week one, we had, you know, a handful. By the end of week six, we had at least one customer on every continent except Antarctica. We still, to this day, I, I need a scientist in it. If you have a scientist listening to this podcast and you're in Antarctica, I will give you a coupon code for a free ad. I just got to write an ad for, for somebody there. But that's the only continent we don't have. And, and so we just kept growing and growing. And eventually, you know, we just became this this force in copywriting. And um, and so it's just been it's been fun growing this this thing. And it's it's like riding a bull. It's 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 insane and fun at the same time. <laughs> right. So from that initial post in Facebook that got the traction, that got you those initial customers, that post alone couldn't have been what kept driving traffic and new customers, right? Was it more word of mouth or what was it? Yeah. So I, I realized very quickly that that giving and helping people was so valuable. So I started doing it at scale, quickly created a website, a version one website. And, and I'm a big fan of the Squarespace platform. So I built it on the platform that I knew at least well enough to get a version one up and running. And so I built it on Squarespace and then started just having, you know, put some Facebook ads out there. And then I put an Instagram ad out there. And so slowly but surely, I would dip my toe in the advertising space of testing my creative to drive sales, but also being in these groups and constantly giving value and helping people and coaching people and guiding them in their ads because I could tell them what's wrong with their ads. That was easy for me. And then I could tell them how to fix it. So it, it was a combination of, of advertising very lightly at the beginning. I didn't spend, I mean, today, uh, you know, I've spent six figures on Facebook like that doesn't bother me. But back then spending, you know, $10 in a day freaked me out. You know, today that's nothing. I can do that in five minutes. <laughs> Right. So it, the combination of, of, or the compounding, uh, thing here was you were posting in, in multiple Facebook groups often. You had word of mouth happening from, from happy customers who sounds like they would return. Uh, was, was there any other element to this? Were you blogging? Um, you said there's some light advertising going on, but were you blogging or was there anything else going on that was driving traffic and customers? I really wasn't doing the best practices and that I should have, but it was because I was, I was really thinly stretched. And so I wasn't doing blogging at that point. I wasn't doing all of the things that our customers do and that we should be doing as a business back then. We weren't doing all of those. So it was really a lot of word of mouth, a lot of good community, positive feedback and people promoting. And then what happened was people started leaving reviews on our Facebook page and the reviews were awesome. And they were talking about the customer service and the turnaround and how much stress we've re reduced from their lives. And so we just started to gain traction, but we gained traction at such an exponential rate. Like I look back at that time, even though it wasn't that long ago, and it seems like an eternity ago because it was – when I tell you how chaotic it was, I was starting my days at about 5 a.m. and I would regularly get to bed after midnight. And so I was not seeing my family a lot at that point and 
there was a lot of strain and stress in my marriage. And I'm very transparent about it because it was such a tough time. But I was so committed to growing this because I loved it. It's, it's my passion. Being able to help a business tell their story properly for whatever it is that they sell is, for me, it's fun. It's, I, I wake up and I eat, breathe, and sleep it. Right. So during that initial time when you had all this influx of customers, what, what was it? Was it simply that there wasn't enough revenue or profit happening to hire somebody? Or did you just not think to do that in the beginning? You're just going off momentum or what, what was kind of the block there? It, we were definitely going off momentum. And at that point, um, Sean, who is now our head copywriter, he, he was working a full-time position somewhere else, was, was coming home from that working in the evenings, sometimes, you know, well into the night, like I was working on very little sleep. It was finally at a point where we realized, okay, there's enough revenue here that we can do something that Sean came over. Because for me, as, as a, as a business owner, the scariest thing is being responsible for another human being's livelihood. Like that, I take that really seriously. And so I didn't want to make a mistake, but we felt like we were at the right place and, and it was the, the time was right to do that. And then as the chaos continued to compound, again, it started in March. In September, just a few months later, I had sent Gary Vaynerchuk an email and I told him what was going on. And, and he and I had had several touch points over the years casually. And I told him what was going on and that I was really stressed out because I didn't know what to do next. And anyway, the short version of it is I wound up going to New York and having dinner with him at City Winery. And during that dinner, um, got the best advice I've ever received from anyone. And at dinner, he said to me, look, he says, you are not an operations person. He says, you're a creative. And that's cool because we need creatives in this world. But you need an operations person, someone who's built a seven, eight, nine figure business and can help you navigate the growth because and the right person will see the opportunity in front of them based on what you've built without them and jump on board. And so he suggested that I give up a 20 percent equity position in the business. I said, OK, that's a great move. How do I find this person? And um, he and his team had said, you know, spent some time looking at my social profile and said, look, you've, you've got a bunch of them in your social graph. You know all these people. You just have to reach out to them and find the right fit. And so that was a Thursday night, that dinner in October. And by Tuesday, I had my first lunch meeting. And by Tuesday afternoon, I had a handshake. And so uh, that's where things really started to cook. And when I say cook, that's when we started to get our act together and figure out how to create a subscription model that made sense, how to create recurring revenue streams, how to put things in place like a real business. Because up until then, we were bailing wire and bubble gum. Right, right. Yeah. So for a lot of people that they'd never even quite get to that point, right, where they can hire, you know, someone in operations, it's really just a lot of solo founders out there. So I think the one of the key takeaways, at least that I'm, I'm, I'm having from here is that in the beginning, when you're first trying to get traction and get customers, you, you found a channel, Facebook, specifically Facebook groups for your niche that was resonating and that 
there was it was driving customers and then you you kind of just doubled down and focused on that and then you know as more money came in the, the business progressed you hired operations etc cetera, etc cetera. but that beginning part i think is where a lot of people are and and that's kind of where they're struggling is how do i even get people to care about my business how do, how do i even get it get an initial audience and uh from, from from your perspective it sounds like the key was help right just help people for free provide meaningful, useful advice, and that will naturally lead to people becoming interested in you. Would you, would you agree with that? A hundred, a hundred percent. You know, um, and I, I, I wrote out of pressure, I wrote a book last fall and I talked about the journey of building this company because I wanted to share the journey, not because I needed to, um, relive it through, through the written word. I shared it because I knew that it would have value to somebody else. I knew that, that, someone struggling, someone in their 40s or 50s who felt like they were stuck in their job might get value from this and and figure out a way to grow their own business. And so I shared the journey from the beginning and, and, and I mapped every step and what I did and why I did it this way and, and why I think you can build a business from zero with zero dollars just using Facebook groups as the foundation to get the business started. Because if you go in with the intention of helping people, if you go in with a servant's mentality, right, and you're not looking for anything on the back end, you go with zero expectation of, of financial benefit, the outcome from that will be positive. And so I, I say this mantra all the time to people, instead of focusing on the income, focus on the outcome. Because if you focus on the outcome, the outcome will be income. I like that. Yeah, that makes, that, that, that makes sense to me. So let's transition to talking uh, or drilling down a little bit into the actual pricing strategy that you have for Ad Zombies. I, I assume it's evolved over time, but what did you begin with back, back in 2017 when you launched and, and how has it sort of progressed from there? Sure. Pricing strategy was... You know, look, as a business owner, and, I, and I'm speaking to every business owner out there who's starting out, the, the honest thing is sometimes you just put your finger in the air and you feel the wind and you go, hmm, that feels right. And and I knew that there was very little competition in the copywriting space. So I didn't have like a, a model to go after. I didn't have pricing points that made sense. I also didn't know what profit and and margin looked like, right? I was just I was spitting in the dark, and um, and so I so I literally said, all right, what would somebody pay to have us write a Facebook ad? What is that worth to someone? Well, what's it worth to someone if that ad converts ten times, right? If if they're selling a hundred dollar product and they make a thousand dollars, what is that worth to them? How much do they have to spend? So it, I spent a lot of time and put thought into it. But ultimately, had to settle it like a at a at a twenty nine dollar price point for for a Facebook ad. Well, I quickly saw the the traction from that twenty nine dollar price point based on the good vibes we were getting out there, all the positive feedback, the positive reviews, and I thought, okay, way underpriced, way underpriced. I've got to correct this because I was drowning, and so I realized that my price point was too low. So I took a bold leap of faith because I knew that, and I'd heard from other. Um, podcasts and books, you never want to be in the middle because they call that the deadly middle. You either want to be at the top, uh, 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 you know, a high-end price, or you want to be at the bottom, a, a bargain price. But being in the middle is kind of a dangerous spot to be. So 
I bumped it up and I said, all right, how do I take this from $29 to something that I can, can I make money on, on $49 ad copy? Well, let's try it. And so I immediately bumped it up to $49 and 99 cents. So 50 bucks. And I'm like, Hmm, it didn't change the volume. People were still buying, but I felt that that was the right place to be. Now it's funny. I did that based on gut and I do a lot of things based on my gut. Here we are a couple of years later, and I still feel that that was the right move and still is the right price for one-off. Then we had to create plans, subscription plans. Well, you want to reward your subscribers, right? You want to give them a discount. So we started to have to figure out what a model looks like for discount. If, if we have monthly plans that are, that are, you know, eight ads, 15 ads, 25 ads, unlimited, what does that look like? And so we had to start figuring out what the value propositions are. Do they, do they get a discount and some additional fees off of other things? Um, you know, so it evolved over time, but that $49 came so quickly. It, it was in the, over the course of a few weeks that we went from nothing to $29 to $49. And that price point has stayed for individual ad purchases. Gotcha. And so for, for the monthly recurring purchases, where did that price point start and, and where is it at today? So what we did is we had to start with a foundation. We knew that an ad cost $49. Well, if somebody needed 10 ads, that would be $499. And so $500, what type of discount would we need to apply to that to make it make sense? And so we backed it down to eight ads and then we started just chopping the numbers until it f made sense financially so that we weren't losing money, we were making money. And so we came up with our $299 a month price point for the eight ads. And But we knew that not everybody needed eight ads. We knew that some people needed more. So then we created our next tier, our basic plan, and we did some calculations there. We went through the same process multiple times. And each time we were trying to figure out how to shave a little bit more how to add a little more value. And then the magic, the magic occurred in all of the plans because of customers. Clients made the request and they said, hey, I'm on the eight ads a month plan and I love the plan, but I'm not using all of my ad credits every month. Is there a way that I can roll those over? And we, I had no idea how we were gonna do that. That's like, you know, unicorn dust and fairy things. I, I don't know how to make technology do things like this, but operationally Brandon did. And so we started experimenting with rollover credits. And so now anyone that's on a plan has 30 day rollover credits. So if they don't use all their credits in any given month, it rolls over into the next month and every 30 days they drop off. So it's, it's the plans have gotten better and better. And, um, and today we're, we're going to be adding a new plan. And so we're always modifying them based on client demand. We let our clients dictate what the plans look like based on their needs. Right. So it doesn't sound like you've done some deep statistical analysis or survey. It's been more on kind of gut feel and, and feedback from, from your actual customers. It's been on gut feel and feedback, and it always is. And, and, and here's why. Not, uh, And this is my belief. Too many business owners don't listen to their gut. They listen to the noise in their head and they listen to the noise of the people around them. Now, 
Don't get me wrong. Statistical data is critical. Knowing your margins, knowing if you're profitable, knowing if you're charging enough for something or not charging enough for something is important. But your gut is so valuable in telling you you're doing it the right way or the wrong way. Trust your gut more because when you trust your gut more, very seldom will your gut let you down. The distraction, the noise, the the, the voices in your head, the conversation will let you down every time because that's the doubt. That's the stuff that creeps in and messes up what your gut is trying to tell you to do. Yeah, I like that. I, th- I think let's leave it there, Ken. Um, could you let folks know uh, where they can learn more about you? Oh, sure. It's AdZombies, A-D-Z-O-M-B-I-E-S, AdZombies.com. And if you want to follow us, Facebook.com slash AdZombies. Same on Instagram, LinkedIn, you name it. Um, and I'm pretty much all over the brand because I started it and I love it and it's my passion. Awesome. Well, thanks again for taking the time, Ken. Thank you. This episode has been brought to you by MemberSpace, membership software anyone can use to easily turn their existing website into a membership business. You can learn more by visiting memberspace.com.